0: Hey you, and welcome back to the Women with Fire podcast. This is a heads up and a reminder. This is part two of our interview with Family Tech University's creators, Emily and David Jones. So if you haven't listened to part one of the episode, pause right now and go back one episode so you can hear part one of our interview with Emily and David Jones from Family Tech University. We are right in the middle of a conversation right now about how big of an influence parents have regarding tech use with their teens by how parents use their own tech. And we're diving into a question now with David and Emily regarding how as parents do you set the example when you see children who have made mistakes or missteps with using tech? This is big, life-changing stuff. So hang on for part two of our interview with Family Tech University. Welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this.
1: So, all of us that are parents know that raising kids and having a family is is a messy business. It just is. And and, uh, um, that said, uh, one important thing that I think we need to remind ourselves of is that uh, we need to eliminate elements of shame. Um, Sometimes we have this, once again, fear. Or love, right? If we have fear and, and if, if our child, you know, has looked up some pornographic thing or, or, or something, we, we, we all of a sudden run it to the end and feel like, oh my goodness, they're going to have some addiction and it's going to affect their marriage and, and everything is just tragedy and, and we panic. Um, and maybe I'll um, share a, a story. Um, I have a dear friend who has um, been a dear friend for many years. And 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 uh, he shared this story with me and gave me permission to share it with the intent to, to maybe be useful for somebody. But uh, when he was a young boy, he encountered uh, pornography and he became curious and he sought it out and eventually, frankly became addicted to it. And there was such shame in his home and in his, you know, Church and in his community, associated with that, he never felt capable of sharing the depths of his problem with anyone, and it became such a problem. Um, you know, he eventually uh, you know married and had a family, um, but he was living such a dual life and he had such horrible shame. He began to wonder if it was worth continuing to live in his depths of despair. Um and and he he shared this story with me, he said Dave, we were cooking dinner one night and my young son came and asked if he could help with dinner and he um wanted to use a big boy knife to cut up some carrots or whatever. And I said, Okay, here's a here's a big boy knife, be careful, don't cut yourself. And 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 you know, we went on making dinner. Well, sometime later he and his wife heard what they thought was crying. And they followed the sounds and, and, and went to the bathroom. And, and what a disaster they encountered. There was, there was blood all over the wall. There was blood everywhere. He cut his finger. And this young boy, because he was afraid he was going to get in trouble, and because he had some shame, because he felt like he didn't do what his dad told him, he was trying to fix himself. And in the process, it was, just, it was just things weren't getting better. Now, of course, my friend and his wife, they quickly cleaned it up and cleaned up the mess and took care of him and everything was fine. But he said, Dave, I, I was that little boy, hurt and injured and not knowing what to do and fearful that I would get in trouble and fearful that, that, uh, um, you know, I, that I, I couldn't get away from it. Anyway, um, he shared that story. saying we need to somehow in our culture, in our families, in our wards, we need to get away from this idea of shame for certain things. I mean, the bumps we hit with technology, they need to be looked at as, as any bump a kid has when they're, um, you know, have a, a problem with lying or or, or, or they um, have a problem with anger or, or whatever these things are. We're all learning. We're all in this process. But if we throw shame in the mix, um, it doesn't help anyone, um, especially. Those that are struggling and trying to figure out how um, to get back on the path. And I think as parents, if we can um be open and sincere and loving in our conversations with our kids without elements of shame. We're in this together. We were sent here to succeed. And success is the only option. And we're in a team together, and we are going to figure this out. We're going to get past it. And if you you know, we, we tell our kids, you know, when you turn in your cell phone, you know, if you, every day you need it, they say, hey, I've had a great day, Dad. And if you have a bad day, that's okay. We'll go on a walk, we'll figure it out, bumps happen, and, 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 and uh, there's, there's that we're in the process of, of growing all together.
2: It's really a beautiful thing. I think also, um, we put a lot of pressure on our parent, on ourselves as parents, that if I do this and this and this, then these problems will never happen. It's baloney. It is baloney. It is baloney. It is a lie. And and so we have to let go of this idea that if I do everything right, my children will never have problems with technology. We have to let go of that. Plan on errors. Plan on mistakes. The Lord. Our Heavenly Father planned on our mistakes. He knew from the very beginning that we would make them, and he made a way. He made a way of escape through the mercy of his son. And as parents, we can do this for our children. We can know that they will make errors, that they will stumble, but we will put our arms around them. We will say, let's make a plan. Let's check in with me every night, and we'll talk about that this. I know you're going to make mistakes, but there is a way. As parents, we have to communicate complete and total belief in their success and in their overcoming. We have to, they have to feel that as a vibe. I trust you. You are going to figure this out. You are in process.
0: So this, I've been waiting for weeks to hear what you were going to say to this question. (laughs) So I am eating this up and my brain is on fire about this approach. What can you, not necessarily like role play for me, but give me examples of shame, sh- shameful sentences parents may say, and can you counteract it with hopeful, loving, and yet addressing the, the this is we want to correct this. Addressing correction. What, what are some common errors and some common victories you may have experienced or that you, you know, may be happening in homes
2: on both sides? So the things to avoid would be things like, um, initial shock and horror responses. Um, let's say you come upon a search that's been done. You're looking at the history or you're notified by some kind of parental monitoring software that Johnny has looked something up that he shouldn't have looked up. Um, initial response is really important um, because if we, if we as parents can just internally decide, okay, when I encounter this scenario, my I am going to be as calm as the summer's day. Now, does it create alarm inside us? It does. It doesn't. And, and we, we have to accept that that will maybe frighten us initially, but our reaction with the child, we are as calm as can be and we address it. You know, we, we approach our beautiful boy or our beautiful girl. Oh, I, I I came upon this in the history, you know, and uh, I just wanted you to know that I came upon this and, and, and wanted to hear what you thought, what, what your thoughts are. Let them talk, let them cry. Let them express um, their struggle. You're going to be tempted to give a speech. Um, This is not the time for the speech. This is the time to listen. And then asking them, let's make a plan. What do you think we should do? What kind of things do you think that we can do? One thing that is very powerful in addressing mistakes or missteps with technology is to Um, ask the young person when they feel vulnerable to issues with technology. Um, When do you you feel like you are maybe feeling vulnerable to these things? Is it when you're angry? Is it when you're bored? Is it when you're tired? Is it when you are lonely? Is it when you are alone with your phone at night? Maybe that's an issue. We've got the phone in the room at night and the resistance is down. Um, when are you vulnerable? When a child can recognize when they are vulnerable, that is the first step because when they see that vulnerability appearing, then they put a plan into place. What am I going to do instead?
1: Right. And, you know, these, these kids, they don't uh, go out saying, I'm going to go be a bad boy today, right? They, 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 they're, they are inherently good and their intentions and everything Um, and what they want to become are good things. Um, and, And when they express what they have as a plan or thoughts that they might have, and you can encourage or throw some ideas out there, but when they say, here's what I think would be a good idea. I'm going to do this, Mom, or I'm going to do this, Dad. Awesome. Great, great idea, Johnny. I think that's a great idea. What else do you think would be a great idea? And they can come up with their own plan. It's their plan. And you can help embolden it, and you can help them um, put some structure around it as needed. But as they develop that plan, they want to be good. They might not know. They might not. I have no idea what to do. And you, well, what about this? Is this an idea? Well, oh, maybe. Is this an idea? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And so we can suggest those things. But I think ultimately, um, what we, we need to make sure they know that you know, that behavior or that incident or that issue is not them. They, they, don't, they, they need to know who they are. And they need to know ultimately that, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. I love you. And you know what? I've got my own struggles too. Let's figure this out together. Let's team up. I love to use the idea we're on a team. You know, I use the, I use the term um, partner a lot with my kids. Like, we're on a team, partner, and we are going to figure this out. Let's try this for a week or two. And if that doesn't work, let's try this. And and it is amazing when they have that hope when they have that light in their eyes and they see you know what I I am going to get through this um, it is it's just exhilarating and 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 uh, and and they do they 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 succeed they find their way through it they work their way through it.
0: So you if you were to bullet point kind of bullet point this process you stay calm <laughs> you. Approach them with total love when you are calm. You allow them to talk. You allow them to cry. And then you allow them to problem solve.
2: Yes. And, and Sarah, I think it's also um, important to to bring this this particular point up. And that is is that we as parents do need to provide uh, structure. David and I are... Are huge advocates of a delay in granting full smartphone um, access. Yes, uh, we, we we are fairly uh, conservative in our home as to the age at which a child or the, you know, the age at which a child has access to that, and and I think that that's important. You know, we don't advocate for for throwing the technology at them and then just watching them go for it we provide the training but then we also provide a very graduated approach to the access to various technologies we tell us what you do
0: okay. tell us exactly how it goes in so your house in
2: our family you know you will never run into a parent on this planet that wishes they'd given their child a smartphone at a younger age i have not met one you will never <laughs> meet one and, and in our experience with our own children delay in that route is a marvelous thing. There are times in their lives where they they are searching for sense of self, and and we don't want that sense of self dictated by social media or those kind of things. Um,
1: and if I if I could add, you know, when she says delay, um, I I think that's probably in the context of what you might see as a typical age. yes
0: among their friends,
1: right? I mean, and kind of around this, you know, this really this concept of driver's education, right? Where you don't hand your your twelve year old the keys to the car and say, hey, you know, can you run to the grocery store for me? Um, you know, they it, there's training required for for before you hand your kids the, the keys, and it's arduous, and it, it they really have to put some some self into it, right? They've got to learn. You can't just say, well, okay, you've sat there while it's parked for a few hours. Now you're good. It, it's a long process, right? We kind of see the parallel there, um, and so I think when Emily's saying we believe in delay. I think it's a, it's, it's a purposeful uh, maturity, right? And, and, and that might be different from one child to the next to some degree. Some kids come packaged a different way. And, 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 uh, and so you can kind of cater towards those specific needs. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut in there. Yeah.
2: No, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. He, I appreciate that, that him adding those ideas. It's, uh, in our family, uh, we begin with a phone that has texting and calling capabilities only, and this is a, a an eye-opening experience. You can watch just through texting behavior how impactful is this technology going to be with this child? It's a marvelous thing to be. It's a marvelous gauge, um, and and so we we really believe in that kind of graduated graduated approach, um, where they are actually able to practice. So, is it is it age based, like you say?
0: you are 15, here you go, like, this is what we do, or how do you determine, I mean, the big question is, when should my child get a smartphone? I mean, that's the question everybody's waiting for, right? How,
2: when, when do your kids get their smartphone? That is the big question. And, and we will be reluctant to actually nail down an age, um, but, but in our family, our kids generally started expressing interest in those middle school years, and i would say toward the latter end of those middle school years is when when they would kind of start getting interested and we would start them on family tech university
0: so it's a requirement it they do requirement. not get it that's the motivation sometimes
2: yes that is the that in our family has been the motivation to consume those materials and and really digest them and and have conversations with parents. I would like a cell phone. I would like to earn that privilege. And so I'm going to develop some knowledge and some responsibility. And then toward the latter end of their middle school years, we grant them a phone that is text and call enabled only. And surprisingly, our two sons who are old enough who are in that range have been grateful for that approach. They have felt like that was just just right. They can interact with their friends um, without the pressures of, of other things. And, and as far as granting full smartphone ownership, for our family, that hasn't happened until middle to latter end of high school years. And, and we are not dictating that for families. That's, that is something that, that can be determined by the spirit and by the maturity level of the child. Um, but, but it has worked well for our family
1: you know this just came to mind with that look in the mirror survey that we did one of the kids um, i I don't remember the question i'd have to look it up here Um, what should the smartphone be used for by the parent or whatever and they basically said um, for communication only and 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 uh and you know i thought well that's pretty succinct and simple that was like an unsolicited little response but my heavens! What in all reality, you know, I don't know that the need is much beyond that, and and that was coming from a kid to dad saying, you know, all this other rubbish, you know, is just stuff <laughs> wasting your time, right? So so uh, just use it for communication. I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a simple? That, that's going back twelve years, right? That's what cell phones were twelve years ago, <laughs> and 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 things have changed a little bit now, and, and not to you know, poo-poo the technology because it's pretty awesome stuff, but but uh something to consider anyway as far as the pressures we might get from our kids and their social they're convinced at age ten that every single kid in their class has the latest and greatest iPhone and they're the odd man out or whatever and and, and uh um we've seen our kids express great appreciation in the approach we've taken.
0: So. Well, that's really fascinating because even at that age, they they actually it's it's empowering to me because they are they are they are seeing value in the tech. They're not like the whole thing is garbage and we're gonna go live in a hut. Like they see they see the value there, but but they see that it is just gone beyond what they think, you know, it, it should be used for. And so I think I think that that's great to to remember that they They do see value in what we're, we're using each day and and they're calling it into check for sure. So I love being able to have this podcast because we are able to just really freely, um, bear testimony. And I, I have, um, disclaimer listeners, I have been able to be part of this project, um, just from a, the, the boring business side working with Emily and Dade, trying to make this come alive. And I have seen the blood and sweat and tears and prep and process and and all those things. Um, One of the elements of your workshop that has literally left me speechless, which is rare, is your testimony of the need for stillness for teens. Can you talk about how you, in narrowing these thousands of papers and ideas into this workshop for teenagers and parents, why did that hold so strong to you for teens in wielding
2: tech? This is a great question, Sarah. Um, I think that the most powerful element of of stillness, and why we included that as one of the modules. The the Family Tech University program is separated into eight modules. And, and, And as one of the most important ones, we elected to put in articles and concepts that surround the idea of stillness. And I think we put that in there because it is something that has to be taught. In our day now. Uh, stillness used to be a natural element of life. Um, back in the day before electricity and the sun went down, that was the end of the day. And, and uh, stillness used to be a more prominent feature in life. And part of the struggle that that we witness with our children is that they do not have as much opportunity for stillness. And stillness often equates with connection with the divine. Um, the ability to hear his voice, the ability to feel his love, the ability to feel direction from him, those small and quiet voices that come into our heads about the things that that the Lord would have us know about ourselves. And so we included those elements. We actually have in that module an opportunity for them to plan An experience with stillness, where they themselves get to plan something they're going to do to go out and be away from technology, be away from screens and noise, and connect with the divine in whatever way they see fit. Um, Some young people go into the mountains. Some young people go to the temple. Um, Some young people go out into their backyard and lay in a hammock and stare at the stars. Um, And those opportunities for stillness uh, connect them with their father in heaven. And when we connect with him, we receive vision for who we really are. And, and, and that vision, that is more powerful, more powerful than, than any experience they could have than that reassurance from the divine that they are, um, have a mission on this earth. And I think when our young people can elect to, schedule stillness into their lives to make it a part of their lives. I don't worry about that young person who can schedule that kind of stillness into life um, because they are being directed by a higher power. And, and, and it, stillness is a huge element of being able to manage um, technology in this world, the ability to pull away from it and listen to that divine voice. Wow.
1: You know, uh, last month Emily and I had the opportunity of uh, attending that uh, summer concert that the Tabernacle Choir does with a, an invited guest in the summer. And this last uh, month they had Sissel, who's kind of a, a world-renowned crossover soprano singer. And and uh, um, it was a, the whole concert was fabulous, but. Uh, um, somewhere right in the middle. In fact, we've listened to it several times. I think it's like minute forty-eight. If you if you go out and, and look at that concert, um, she sang a song called "Slow Down," and it's uh, it's a short song. I want to say it's probably less than three minutes long. Um, but she sang this song, and and uh, the spirit of the message was quite moving, and and uh, the spirit was frankly, quite strong there in the conference Center. In fact, not often have I seen such a thing in the middle of a concert. All 18 or 20,000 people that were there had a standing ovation in the middle of this concert for several minutes. And you could see that Sisla was moved and, and was emotional. Um, and, you know, you know, she's been, had standing ovations for the last 35 years of her life, so I don't think it was that. I think it was the spirit of the message and and Emily and I both sat there and, and observed, well, stood there as part of that standing ovation that our culture is starving for this idea of slow down, be still, wait, listen. It, that isn't part of our culture or routine. And I think our spirits and souls are hungry for it. And it's something that we need to teach in our families and teach our young people. At the end of the day, this internal filter is something that comes from the divine. That it's their their connection to truth and and principles that connect them to who they are and who they want to become. And and, uh, um, whatever we can do as parents to facilitate that sort of training, I think we need to really embrace and help them as much as we can that way.
0: And now a short break for a word about our sponsor. Look, if you have kids, listen up. Trying to find ways to balance all of life's expectations and still find time to teach our kids in the home is wicked tough. I get it. I've got four kids of my own. Well, I have found a service to make this easy for you. It's a game changer, people. Come Follow Me F-H-E will take out all of the guesswork when implementing home-centered teaching with the Come Follow Me program. So Christians and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can have weekly access to lesson bundles that align exactly with the New Testament study for this year. The lessons are geared towards primary age kids and aim to make gospel learning purposeful, engaging, and dare I say, joyful and fun in your home. So serious, it is five bucks a month, people, five bucks a month for all of this plan for you. Follow Come Follow Me FHE on Instagram at Come Follow Me FHE to catch weekly coaching on the materials. So just for us Women With Fire listeners, woo! We are offering you a free month to come follow me, F-H-E. Use code WOMENWITHFIRE, and it's good through the end of October 2019. All right, back to the podcast. We will include a link to that Sissel video uh, in the show notes. So remind me of that, Em and Dave, so that they can experience that. We watched it as a family, and even my three-year-old, like mesmerized by an unfamiliar three or four minute song straight and how can you deny that
2: Yeah,
0: how can you deny um that kind of that kind of message and if we can be brave parents these youth will change the church and the world I f- i firmly firmly believe that and in in kind of a humorous tone i i spent a couple of weeks at your home over the summer when i was barfing my guts out pregnant with everly <laughs> and emily was my caretaker <laughs> <laughs> and i will not forget watching ben and i'll use his name since you mentioned his name he was 16 years old at the time and had been put into kind of a new school and he's a cross country guy and just one of just a remarkable young man who I love dearly. And he, he had was, he had a, a cell phone. He had a cell phone and I knew that he did. And I just never saw him with it. And I was like, wait, I thought he got it. And I didn't want to bring it up. Cause what if it had been taken away or like sensitive, <laughs> right? Didn't want to be that aunt bringing it up to sweet Ben. And I remember him coming up one morning after he had spent an evening, we had all been sitting around the table and we were, t- we were telling stories about mom and funny ghost stories and books. And we had just stayed up really late with your kids having a total blast together. And he was so present and so vibrant. And we, we all went to bed late and we woke up the next morning and he woke up in total horror because he had missed a huge string of texts from friends, best friends, trusted friends about a party Mm -hmm. that was happening that night and he was being invited that he certainly wanted to be at. And I kind of chuckle at that. And again, it may seem like such a small moment, but it clearly in a year, over a year, has not left me that this was a 16-year-old boy with access to a smartphone who sat with his old boring aunt around a table for hours and hours and hours and built this relationship, went to bed without checking his phone and woke up the next morning in horror and laughed about it. Simply yeah. laughed about it. And I remember him coming into the room and he's like, maybe everything I've been taught is wrong. Because
2: <laughs>
0: And we all just laughed about it. And and I just learned something about the dynamic of what is possible.
2: What it is, is possible? I I love Sarah. I love that you would phrase it. What is possible? Um, these young people are often underestimated in their capacities to embrace truth. They really are. They're, they're, they they can be underestimated. Sometimes we don't realize the depth of their their power and their capacity to choose. But they are a different generation than those past in that they have to know the why. They have to know the why. Why am I following these rules? Why can't I sit on my phone all day? They have to understand that and really not be told it. They've got to study and think and 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 come to those conclusions on their own Of course, we express opinions. Uh, You know, Dave and I don't advocate for for never expressing opinions to our young people. But if we can open up avenues for them to see the why, to to understand the why, um, we have a a really powerful experience that we include in the Family Tech University workshop um, that's called uh, The Story of My Life. And it is perhaps the most powerful, most beloved part of this workshop experience for the teenager as well as the parent. And this is not just
0: in your family, because you've had this piloted
2: and have received feedback
0: from people that this part is just the rock star moment of the workshop.
2: This is the crowning experience. It comes at the end in Module 8. It is the crowning experience. And parents can do this in their own home. They can, they can do this. But basically what it is is we have our children, um, when they reach a certain age of maturity and they maybe navigate through this workshop, the end experience is that they make an audio recording or a video recording of themselves um, expressing their dreams and their hopes for their future life. And they address things like, what kind of a person do I want to be known as in high school? Um, what kind of a missionary do I want to be if they are serving a mission? What type of what do I dream of in my future family life? Um, what kind of a person do I want to become? Um, what kind of a relationship do I want with heaven? And Sarah, I cannot, um, I cannot express, the spirit that comes into an experience like that for a young person to verbalize, to verbalize those dreams. What kind of a profession do they want to go in? What kind of adventures do they want to have in this wide, beautiful world? When they express these dreams and this vision, that is perhaps the most powerful component of the internal filter, a vision for a happy future life. Because when a young person projects that kind of vision and then can see how technology could hurt or help that vision for a future life, they are far less likely to endanger those dreams with decisions of technology that are harmful.
0: This this part of the workshop was just incredible to see um, to see included in the process. And I, I just think is that the difference between, you know, the, the really huge barriers um, and decisions that are made when, when they are faced with real challenges, um, ha- having that knowledge of how is this impacting my future? Like that is a millennial thought. That is a millennial thought, and I I feel like millennials get thrown under the bus on the regular, and I refuse to be part of it. I just refuse it in so many ways, and and I don't discount the challenges parents are facing um, with with these millennials, but how incredible to give them an an experience, to give them a why. Here is the why. Why? behind everything behind my feelings about pornography to my, my feelings about how constant I am on my phone to my, Oh my goodness, to how I'm spending my time. And just so many things fall back to this vision. And I, I think jokingly, I'm like, wait a minute, aren't they already doing this? Cause it like that, like consumes 80% of my day. (laughs) thinking in the future and always doing that. But how awesome that you have facilitated um, a process that allows them to put that into, into words. What have your kids said about that particular module? Have they been open with you?
1: You know, um, it is really a tender thing to hear the recording of a teenage boy get emotional and share his deepest feelings about things that are important to him um you know be it his family or his future family or his aspirations and and uh you know they they, these are recorded in in a quiet place and away from everybody but then they they've each one of them have shared this recording with us and and uh um, it, it, it's, it's really a crown. It, 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 um, it doesn't mean that they're going to go off and be perfect and they're not going to have any bumps along the way or anything like that. But I think, it, um, for lack of a better term, it's sort of like faith and testimony building in. they're testifying to themselves who they are relative to this big universe we have and who they want to become. And, and there is huge strength in that. And when, not if, when they hit a bump or, you know, step off the path, they can know, hey, this is who I am and this is who I want to become. And I know how to get back on that path and I'm going to, I'm going to work to get back on there. And, and, you know, that's what we all do as adults as well, right? And, and uh, it's just just really powerful. And, you know, as a parent, it gives you great hope. It gives you a sense of hope that, you um, you know, they're not going to be controlled or be victims of circumstance. They're going to grab this life and put it in their hands and and make something of themselves. And and uh, it's a very hopeful, very future-looking, optimistic thing. And, and it's just, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty neat.
2: You have put together
0: something that will literally change the spirit in the home. And change the energy of what um, parents just hope it would be this is just the parents hope in so many ways and just as we wrap up this podcast um, these parents can do this as you have talked so much about courage and You've got an incredible video series that people can sign up for. It is free. It is empowering. It is incredible. But I want—I'm hoping you would be willing to share with our listeners um, as we close this out why they can do this. Like, what are the elements of heroic parenting that that they can grab onto and and leave listening to this saying, "I can do this. I can do this."
2: Absolutely. Um, That is the message, Sarah, of this um, discussion with you is hope. Um, It is an overwhelming trend right now, and it can be extremely intimidating as a parent. There is so much to, to put our arms around. But there is hope, and the hope resides in in nurturing this internal filter, this this inner, these beliefs, this vision for the future that our young people have. Um, There are some elements to heroic parenting, and we have touched on some of these um, in this discussion with you. The first one that we would just highly recommend is having some kind of a driver's ed approach to teaching about technology. preferably before you hand them that phone but if they already have that phone start it it's never too late start with a plan some kind of a plan we when we have a plan we don't operate out of fear we don't operate out of fear and so if we can identify some areas that are important to us to teach to our young people make a little list maybe there's just three or four maybe there's there's more you know, make a little list of the things that are most important to you to address with your child with regards to technology. In our family, those things included social media, pornography, stillness, um, understanding and projecting a vision, a vision for, for your future life, um, cell phones 101, etiquette with cell phones, all of those kind of things. Make a little list, start there, and then start finding ways. Um, materials or things that you can expose them to in those areas Um, so that's the first thing you've got to have a plan because a plan eliminates the fear we have a plan we are calm Um, the second one David
1: can address yes I was gonna say when you have a plan as a parent it gives you great confidence right you can you can stick to a plan and, and and that brings great confidence and the second thing that we like to talk about is the importance and this isn't always natural for us as parents but to listen um, and in fact, we call this step in, in our program, we call it listen, listen, listen. <laughs> uh, Love it. We, we, we feel so strongly about this because as you, as you know, as you execute against the plan and, and for us with the family tech university workshop, you know, as, as a parent, you're going to have strong opinions about the material as well. And you're going to want to sit down with Johnny, and just like regurgitate all this stuff or just spew it out. And, oh, this is what I thought. This is what I thought but that, that isn't gonna help them develop their thoughts. And that's why it's so important to listen. We introduce powerful thoughts or powerful content, right? We share it, we ask them what they think, and then we listen. And interesting things happen. They're, they start to form opinions and they begin to own these ideas um, that are them. It's not you, it's not anybody else, it's their opinion. They've got own beliefs now that they can build upon and develop, and these are divine beliefs that can help point them and help guide them.
2: Yep, so those are the first two things that we recommend. The third thing that we recommend that parents do is to have patience with the process. So expect that there will be errors and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of that, expect that. Give your child the vibe, I trust your capacities to grow and to change. You might make mistakes, there is a way. We are going to make a way. So that's the the third thing that we recommend is having patience with their development, just the same way that our Heavenly Father has patience with ours. And then finally,
1: the last step. And we've talked about this, is look in the mirror. Sometimes the most powerful, example our kids gonna have is the example of their parents and and uh, and that's not a small thing it's a big thing and it takes courage um but it benefits all involved right it benefits the whole family as we look at at ourselves and and it doesn't mean throw technology away technology is here for a purpose it means evaluate how you use technology and figure out how to change in ways that benefit your family and I think most all of us, there's probably some element that we could, you know, button up a little bit or tidy up or maybe it's more dramatic for some than others. Um, in our case, I'm the one that needs more change than Emily. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chess.com. That's right. <laughs> Chess.com.
2: <laughs> really, Sarah, the, the parenting of technology is a spirit-driven effort. It is a wrestle. It is We wrestle with the Lord and so we there are lots of recommendations that can be made but but the the crowning the crowning effort has to come from wrestling with the Lord and being driven by the spirit. We can do this. It is possible to have children who thrive in a world that's surrounded by technology. It can happen. It really and it is happening.
0: Oh, I just I feel the same energy about the the guts and the glory you guys have gone after on this as I did in that what what felt like the burying of the law of Moses with teenagers when President Nelson spoke to them. <laughs> it, it it is the same energy that I just was thinking about filter, filter, filter that that was the only option in front of me. And then I'm seeing articles about the crash of millennials and how the world is going to heck, and it just doesn't rest. It's just not right. It's not right. And then you hear a prophet of the Lord get up and welcome him to the battalion and say, you are the hope of Israel. So thank you for sharing um, not only your testimonies of of these amazing principles, but also for the intense time and sacrifice that you have made in in putting together a resource for parents um, of Family Tech University. And listeners, if you are in this boat of of teenagers and you're feeling the courage and you're ready to go, um, familytechuniversity.com, it is live. It is there. It is beta tested. It is piloted. It is ready for you um, to go. Um, We'll go ahead. We'll be sending emails out. um, If you want a coupon code, they've been super generous in allowing us to let you be part of this workshop. Oh, I am just so grateful for the chance to have sat across from you.
1: It has been a pleasure, Sarah, to visit with you and, and uh, be a man on the woman with fire. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) um, and hopefully there was, there's something of, of, Use that uh, your listeners can um, take advantage of. And
0: I will just close with my own um, gratitude and as cheesy and brand-oriented as it sounds, um, the power and change that can come with people who decide to act on their quests. There's that great word, quests. But the power and change and hope That can come from those little teeny steps of taking this idea and this idea and this idea and throwing it in a file cabinet for like 15 years (laughs) (laughs) and the hope that is being offered by actions so small just cannot be understood in our time, I think, in so many ways. And so I'm so grateful for your persistence and your dedication in the things that you have felt prompting to do. And I will continue to cheer on our amazing listeners who are out there uh, making their own mark in their own homes and communities and online to share light and to share the Savior in places that may appear dark. I am so grateful to be surrounded by incredible people who have the courage to make it happen. So thank you so much again for joining us on the Women With Fire podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with sarah and michelle the creators of the women with fire podcast find us on instagram at the women with fire or find us in our facebook group simply search women with fire and join the group we'll see you there